Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, December 5th, 2017, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 52 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity, 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 miggity Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, we were talking a little bit before. I know it's a busy time, but how have things been? Um, things have been okay. I, I, I did have something really interesting happen over the weekend that I wanted to share. Please do. Um, Please share it. And uh, I'm not going to put you on the spot here, Mr. Nice Guy, but I just want to make sure that you know I will be judging you based on your reaction to this piece of news. Okay, okay. Okay. So... It so happens that uh, that I found out a couple weeks back that the New York Attorney General was going to be uh, was looking for people in uh, in the state of New York um, whose information had been used to file fraudulent FCC comments on the subject of net neutrality. Okay, because they were going to uh, because they were going to make a you know they were going to make a case and they were going to uh, um, you know. They were going to make a case and 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 probably it was going to be a whole big litigation. Thing. Yeah, there was going to be a whole big thing about it, but they wanted to get people whose names had been used fraudulently um, to to post fraudulent comments about net neutrality. And okay. so I know that I had weighed in on that debate. Um, I did it, you know, right near the beginning of when they opened uh, commentary times for uh, for net neutrality. Um, this most you know this most recent hearing uh and so i thought i'd just take a little peek you know and 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 see and as it turns out um somebody used my name and an old address of mine and filed a fake comment calling for the for the repeal of net neutrality under your name uh, under my name but i thought that these were people in new york well, well, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, the New York Attorney General said, you know, said we're interested in that, and I thought, oh, hey, that'd be interesting. I should go take a peek at my old at my old comment, and I was surprised to find two comments: one that I know that I had posted, and the other that was one of those robot posts because it was a form, you know, letter. It was a one paragraph thing that talked about how free market internet was the best internet and this is a travesty and blah 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 and so on and so forth dude that's um, wild that's wild yeah yeah and you know mr nice guy i i told you i was going to judge you based uh based on that um because uh because not everybody with whom i shared that news reacted uh the same kind of way right um uh Amusingly enough, I shared that with some people and I was like, look, you know, somebody committed, I mean, that is a felony. It's called wire fraud, but, uh, but you know, it's, it, it, it is no bueno. Um, and, uh, and some people, you know, and some people were like, man, that really sucks. That's kind of stupid. You know, some other people were like, that's ridiculous. Um, and a few people, uh, their didn't, response Didn't get was, how big a deal it is. Well, not only did they not get how big of a deal it was, they decided that they were going to make a dig at me politically because I don't share their particular political stance. And so they were like, well, I'm just going to dig at Mac for not, you know, sharing my politics. And it's like, come on, guys. I just tell, I just say that, express that somebody has tried to use my name right. to act against my wishes in a federal proceeding and your thing is oh, you know what what's what you know what why would you go for net neutrality it's just like no 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 the response is that sucks that someone would do that yeah. <laughs> then you can go hey i didn't realize you were a fan of this net neutrality Maybe the five years you spent as a technology reporter has given you some perspective on this that I don't share. Yeah, I'd but credentials. We live in a it. world where credentials mean nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, just it's not it's not even the credentials. That's just completely beside the point. The thing that really bothered me was it was just there were people who didn't realize the first and only real initial response to somebody tried to steal my identity and do something that I disapprove right, of right. under my name. The first and the 
first response has to be, oh, ugh. There is some kind, there must be some kind of understanding that somebody did me wrong. And they, then we go from there. They did but you without wrong. without that, man. you know, it's like, ugh, you know, maybe you just stay in your corner and don't talk to me. Those are people who should have to pay uh, for each individual thing that they do on the internet. Those are people who should not get to keep net neutrality, even if it continues. Um, well, yeah, dude, that's that's crazy. Uh, my week was a basic week for me on on this end, Mac. Uh, did yeah. one show last weekend. Uh, it was a smaller show, and the headliner was a local guy. He was he was pretty dang funny. Um, there was a point during the the show where there was another. I was hosting, and there was a, another black comic who was featuring, and uh, and he was just up there, and he was talking, and he said something, and this girl in the audience was like, "Wow," and he was like, "Did you just say wow? Did you just say wow to my comment?" And she was a. a not African-American girl. And so she got very scared and it was interesting to see, like we have, we have like so much tension in the country now that someone like can't say wow during a comedy show without people getting uptight and offended. I don't know if I'm explaining this very well and I'm not going to spend too much time on it because this is a gaming podcast, Mac. But it was just very funny to watch that happen as a black guy watching the racial tension that should have not existed because he was just joking and she was just commenting. Anyway, we strayed enough topic off topic enough. I say we do what we do best, Mac. And we Let's hop. Let's do it. Let's hop right into right the news. Right into the gaming news, guys. Welcome to episode number 52. We are 52% of the way to 100 episodes. And we have a lot of news stories this week. Lots of games came out, lots of games coming out, lots of stuff to talk about. Now, Mac, there's one story that I know you're hyped about. Do you want to share that story? And I don't have um, to say what it is, because we all know what it is. If you've yeah, ever we watched all know what it is. It's the announcement of Mega Man 11. All right, go ahead. It, is, it should surprise no one that I am a, a Mega Man super fan, as it were. I have played most all of the Mega Man games. I own most all of the Mega Man games. I have perlured most of the Robot Masters from the... Cla- all of the Robot Masters from the Classic series. I love Mega Man. Mega Man is my Patronus. But... I'm not in... I'm not excited about Mega Man 11, Mr. Nice Guy. What?! That is not expected. That was not what I expected to hear. I I know. Unfortunately, Mega Man 11 looks a lot like uh, like Mighty Number no. Nine, and uh, and you remember, Mister Nice Guy. We went. Uh, you know, I was pretty very excited about uh, Mighty Number no. Nine until you and I went to that um, gaming convention in Las Vegas together, and I got a chance to try it. I got a chance to go hands on, play segments of it, and I walked away and. I was like, meh, this this is not, it doesn't feel like Mega Man, it doesn't play like Mega Man. Speaking and, of which, when are we going to go to another gaming convention, Mac? I feel like 2018, we've got to go to one, but I know you have stuff going on. We'll chat off here, screen. Here's, here's what I can guarantee you, Mr. Nice Guy. I can guarantee you that in 2019, if you are up for it, we will go to a gaming convention because I know that 2018 is going to be a little packed, but 2019, I'm going to be free of all the chains that bind me my friend that's what i like to hear but uh, uh but we we played that and it just kind of went meh meh um so and and i haven't had a chance to go hands-on to play this but what i can observe is that of the classic Mega Man series which now there is a Mega Man 11 but that's Mega Man's 1 through 10 at this moment because 11's not out yet um i am not a big fan of Mega Man's 7 and 8 and part of the reason, most of the reason, is that in Mega Man 7 and 8, it plays very differently. Um, you have a different, uh, you have a different, you've not just a different style, but, uh, but it's not really sprites anymore. It's not really 2D sprites. It's more of, you know, it's more cartoonish, and I, I, 
I don't really care for Mega Man's seven and eight. And okay, it what... feels like on the it feels like the best case scenario, Mega Man eleven is like Mega Man's seven and eight, and I I dislike it. But did you it, like you know, nine and, and it's ten? Not my favorite. Yeah, I loved 9 and 10, but 9 and 10 returned back to the formula of 1 through 6. Okay, let me ask you this, because I know Mega Man 2 is your favorite. How mm-hmm. would you feel about Mega Man 2-style gameplay with Mighty Number no. 9 graphics? Would you be okay with, with that scenario? Does that make sense? Potentially, yeah, yeah. If okay. I mean, because the thing that makes Mega Man Mega Man for me, in a lot of ways, is the mechanic mechanics of the game, is the feel and the touch. I mean... Anything where you've got somebody shooting on a side-scrolling platformer has a lot of the same things. When you throw in the rock-paper-scissors system system of boss weaknesses in Mega Man, that really is what makes Mega Man at its core. If Mighty No. 9 had been done in such a way that the mechanics felt like a classic Mega Man title, I probably would have liked it. But uh, but but again, I'm self-aware enough to know that that the mechanics are really what doesn't do it for me. It doesn't hold, feel, play like a Mega Man game in my hands. Then it's not really my favorite. So uh, so far, it looks just from the surface, just looking at it, it looks like Mega Man 11 will probably play like Mega Man's seven and eight, which I think is a big mistake. But uh, but I will have to give it a shot first. Basically. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and I don't know if we made it clear this Mega Man 11 announcement came because Mega Man hits its 30th anniversary uh, in 2018. So that is part of why. And then additionally with that, Mac, they announced that Mega Man X or I should say the Mega Man X titles will be coming to the current generation consoles. So Switch, PS4 and, and PC. And that's actually Xbox something that I am kind of excited about because I have wanted for a while to um uh, to play the Mega Man X series and there is you can get a for PS2 you can get a Mega Man X um collection I have but it. I believe it's only 1 through 6 Yeah it's true and and to me 1 through 3 are the best ones they really switch the graphics and the mechanics for the later ones mm-hmm. um I actually had and some it of those later no ones no longer feels like a Mega Man X game mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone okay. in the chat says Mega Man 11 will use the graphics from Mega Man X I don't think that's true from watching the trailer, um, but I'm, I'm like 99% sure that that's not true just based on the trailer. Um, but that would be cool because I like the graphics from Mega Man X. Now, Mac, random question before we keep going. What uh-huh. would you think if they were to release a Mega Man first-person shooter? So, like, you're running around a map with your Mega Buster, with your X Buster, I should say. Um, shooting other characters, you know, Zero maybe has the sword. Um, there's just different mechanics, but a first-person Mega Man multiplayer game. What would you think well, about that? There is one called 8-Bit Deathmatch. Is there really? I didn't know this. Yes, it, it is the- a multiplayer online first-person Mega Man, you know, uh, Mega Man arena shooter. Um, and uh, maybe we should play it sometime, but... Um, I feel like that's not really a Mega Man game. I'd be willing to try it out, but I would, it would not be likely for me when I pick it up to feel like, yeah, this is a Mega Man title, Yeah, uh, but I'm more like, ah, eh, it's something in the Mega Man universe. And, um, it, what you said is playing upon a memory somewhere in the back of my head. I feel like, uh, I feel like they tried doing that or they they were going to do that they were going to release a Mega Man X first person game kind of in the same vein as Metroid Prime right that's but, that's where uh, my image came from of it i don't know if it yeah. happened but that's kind of where i i picture it going if that happens mhm i would be certainly open to try it kind of like the same thing with Mighty Number no. 9 let me get my hands on it and then but uh you know i'm cautiously Cautiously pessimistic until then. Oh, wow. Pessimistic. The glass is half empty. Well, anyway, guys, moving on. Uh, we have this next story comes from Game Rant. Uh, it's about it's about DayZ. It says, after rocketing out of the gates as part of Steam's early access program four years ago, DayZ has <laughs> been down a very long road just to get to a beta version of the popular zombie survival game. 
With the game expected to hit consoles at some point and a beta version promised for PC players earlier this year, Bohemia Interactive has finally is finally ready to reveal new de- details on its plans for the game. In a blog post updating fans on the state of the game and the developers' plans for 2017 and beyond, Bohemia confirmed that it is planning to bring Daisy to consoles starting with the Xbox One. Responding to a fan on Twitter, the developer confirmed that the main reason for this is due to the fact that the Xbox One has a game preview feature that is similar to Steam's early access program, while Sony doesn't have a similar program for the developer to use. The developer also revealed that the long-promised beta version for PC isn't coming in the remaining weeks of 2017. Instead, the developer is working on getting update 0.63 uh, for 2018, because once it goes live, the game will officially be out on early access on Steam. Okay, so I'm, I'm not going to ask your opinion, Mac. I'm going to give mine, and then if you want to hop in and say anything, because this type of thing drives me nuts. And we talked about this before. Um, the game has been not even in beta, but basically in alpha. For four years, this game has been out. Um, they're now telling people that the PC version is not ready for beta, but they're working on an update. However, they are going to put the game out on consoles. Just come out with the game already. There's no amount of stress testing, there's no amount of work that needs to be done over the course of four years when a game has already been made public in part that you could not have completed everything that needed to be done by now. Um, This is the new game delay, in my opinion. Instead of announcing a release date and then delaying it, they're instead saying, hey, play this half-finished game, and then you know what, we're just going to keep pushing off the beta instead of announcing an actual release date. I think this is unacceptable. Um, I'm excited that it's coming to consoles, but I don't understand why they couldn't just finish the PC version and optimize it before making it for consoles and having a half-baked version on each each platform. That's my stance. I don't know if you have anything, Mac, you want to say, uh, if, but, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, so... Uh, Moving on to our next news story, you guys. Let's talk about Capcom a little bit more uh, because I am super hyped for this Friday. Uh, There's going to be a beta, and I just kind of criticized betas, but I'm excited for this one. It says, Capcom has unveiled full final details of its upcoming PlayStation 4 exclusive Monster Hunter World beta due to begin this Saturday. More specifically, the Hunter Monster Hunter World beta starts on Saturday, December 9th at 5 p.m. and runs until Tuesday, December 12th, finishing at 4.59 p.m. on the dot. You'll need to be a PS Plus subscriber to join the hunt, and the full download weighs in at 5.1 gigabytes. Not much more to say about it. Mac, I feel like if you tried this on PC, you would like it. Um, are you into games? It's, it's a co-op, so it's not multiplayer. But are you into games where you're like collecting armor and upgrading your character um, if it's a co-op game? I honestly don't know if you would play a game like that. Um, you know, I think it depends. Don't I, I say that like... you would try it, because I know you would try anything. <laughs> I could see you saying, I guess I'd try it. Uh, but no, have, I guess what my real question is, is, have you ever played a game like that before? Grinding for gear and leveling up and that type of thing. Does Minecraft count? I would count Minecraft, although your, okay. gear, your gear is uh, it's crafted rather than... It's crafted from collecting resources, which I guess is technically Monster Hunter. But in Monster Hunter, I think the difference is that you are... Sometimes there's drops that are rarer than others, I guess, would be the best way to say it. Which, I guess that applies to Minecraft in some some respect, would you say? Or not really? I haven't played as much Minecraft as you to know. Is Are there certain resources that are really hard to find? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah, there are some resources that are hard to find. I mean, you can eventually mine sufficiently that you can find most anything, but there are some resources that are rather tough to find. Gotcha. And there's always the danger of falling in lava. That's true, and losing everything, or going out at night before you have a shelter built and getting eaten Mm -hmm. by those exploding green things. All right, well, guys, we got a couple more news stories. We're probably going to cut it short on the news stories. Um, let's just summarize some of these. Destiny 2 Curse of Osiris is out today. Um, I don't think I'm picking it up because I enjoyed the core game, but I don't feel like they're adding enough to make it worth it. Those of you who are playing it, let us know in the chat if you like it. It's a pretty big deal in the Destiny 2 community. And then also, the Game Awards are this week, and Norman Reedus has confirmed that he will be there with Hideo Kojima, meaning that Death Stranding fans may get an update 
We This was our topic of the week last week, the premise of people putting out too much information about games before the release date is even announced. Um, the article that I read this on said that there hasn't been any Death Stranding information since last year's Game Awards. I feel like they need to just go away and hide before they uh, say anything else about this game. And our last news story of the week, and actually, you know what? That's it. That's our news of the week, guys. We're going to keep it short and simple. Mac, it's all you, my friend. All right. Well, now that we've looked a little bit about uh, the various games, announcements, things that are coming to the future, I want to take us back to the past for a minute and uh, look at some of the games that have been at the very least influential for me, maybe for others, that have come out this week, this past week, in years that have gone before. And I've got three that have meant uh, that have meant a lot to me. Um, I'll start with the most recent one first, and that is uh, in 2004, released for the Xbox in my case, was Prince of Persia Warrior Within. Yes. Now, I loved Prince of Persia Sands of Time. It was fantastic. I also loved the original Prince of Persia and played it very frequently, frequently on my IBM 386. Ah, rest in peace, IBM 386. But when it came time for me to pick up the second installment of Prince of Persia, Warrior Within, I was a little bit concerned. You see, I had actually played Warrior Within on a demo disc. That's right. Every so often in gaming periodicals back in those days, you would get a demo disc. Now, it so happened I never had the money to shell out for those gaming periodicals. However, a friend of mine who lived across the street, he did. And so he lent me that gaming di- that disc, and it seemed a little bit different, you know, this Warrior Within game. I was a little, little hesitant for, uh, for a couple of reasons. Instead of being more about platforming and puzzles, it was a lot more about combat. Um, you could use various weapons. You had your main weapon that never degraded, and then you could pick up, you know, breakable secondary weapons that you could use in combos. There were times where when you executed a combo, it would slow down, and you'd get that sort of bullet-timey thing, which seemed very much a change of pace from the uh, from the print sands of time where it was all about uh, where it was all about moving quickly enough to get through this puzzle or rewinding time it seemed very much like a departure from that where the time changes or the the changes in your perception of time rather in the game right. were linked not to doing something cool but something vital to your progression uh, really seemed to pull me out at least from the from the game itself and then i think perhaps the biggest strike was that uh they they went very dark side with the prince he was very he was very grrr and broody and uh he's lost things and they used a different voice actor and yeah it just there were a lot of things about prince of persia warrior within that were not um that were not very good um, voice and, actors can make or break a game literally they can well, make and or break it was it was very strange because it went from the vo- it went from the prince had this sort of you know had this sort of slightly british accent you know i i couldn't place him but then again i'm not a specialist in accents either uh but he had definitely this distinctive accent um, and then in the second game in Warrior Within, no accent anymore. It was just, where did that go? I mean, they had the good sense to bring it back, bring the voice actor back for the third title in the series. But uh, I felt like in a lot of ways in the second one, they had done a lot of damage. Um, so this, for me, was actually uh, very revealing. It, it, it made a big impression to me or at least this game made a big impression for me because it helped me see a lot of things that people shouldn't be doing helped me recognize a lot of things that you shouldn't change in a follow-up even though you're trying to do something different you need to analyze what made a game good and not just stick with that but also try not to change things that were mechanically important in previous games if that makes sense it does make sense yeah so 
yeah, there we go. That I, I didn't really care too much for Warrior Within. Maybe some people liked it, but it just wasn't my thing. So uh, the next one that I've got on my list is uh, was released in 1998 on Windows, and that is Thief: The Dark Project, which happened to be the opening to uh, the opening of a of a series. This uh, this Thief series. It was a stealth game, and uh, you had this sort of giant metropolis that was uh, <laughs> that was in in this sort of medieval society, but yet it was this huge city. And you were going around thieving things, killing people. Um, I uh, perceived this game not by playing it directly, but I had a friend who had the game, and he played it. And I watched and enjoyed, and it was it was just a really really fun game. Um, I don't think I play I didn't don't think I viewed it until probably '99 or early 2000. But, uh, but still, nonetheless, I've got some very fond feelings uh, about hanging out at my friend's house while, play- while he was playing Thief. And I, you know, sat in a folding chair uh, a few feet back and to the right, watching over his shoulder as he was uh, taking out guys. It was really, really kind of fun. Uh, and then the third one that I want to uh, mention is, was released in 1996, Shadows of the Empire. Yes. For, uh, um, released on in both Windows and as well as Nintendo 64. Um, I played the Windows release, not so much the Nintendo 64, but uh, but that was really really uh, quite a fun game. I've been very uh, very interested that over the years, um, Star Wars franchises have had a lot of hits and misses when it comes to uh, when it comes to video games. For every X-Wing and TIE Fighter, there are a lot more um, pod racing. And cancellations, Uh, quite frankly. Oh, and yes, so many cancellations. But I would say on the whole, when the game does make it to market, it's usually pretty darn good. And Shadows of the Empire, right up there with X-Wing and uh, Knights of the Old Republic as my favorite Star Wars games. So. So yeah, that's just uh, some of the games that we've been fortunate enough to have at this time of year in years past. Fantastic! And now it's time. I love the gaming history segment. I love it. Uh, It's very nostalgic. But now it's time for uh, our topic of the week, you guys. Our topic of the show. Topic of the week. Whatever you want to call it. It's the topic of the week. And this one comes from adweek.com. It deals with pro gaming. It deals with esports. Always a hot topic. But I kind of have a unique question I want to throw at Mac today. Let's read a little bit. Uh, The title says, Pro video gaming is exploding in popularity. And Activision created an Overwatch League to cash in. And basing teams in cities like the NFL and MLB do. It says advertisers will soon have another big opportunity to sponsor professional sports teams, but these teams will duke it out on the virtual battlefield. The Overwatch League will launch on Activision Blizzard's stream network, MLG TV, in January as esports' first foray into organizing professional gamers into teams based in cities like MLB and NFL. Overwatch is part of a 1.5 billion esports industry per research firm Superdata. And with its new Overwatch League, Activision is looking to increase its chunk of that pie in three ways, according to Laura Martin, managing director and media analyst at Needham & Company. Quote, it's selling team Overwatch franchise tees at $20, at $20 million each. Wait, what? There's no way that's right. Oh, franchise fees. Okay. I thought that said franchise tees. I'm an idiot. As in franchise t-shirts for $20 million. That would be... Some high-quality cotton. Secondly, there will be a live event revenue stream. And third, it will improve engagement and enthusiasm. Um, By professionalizing Overwatch, which is based on an existing game that has more than 35 million million players worldwide, myself included, Activision is making it easier for traditional advertisers to spend on esports. So here's my question, Mac. Because one thing that they're... uh, they're doing is they're going to try to make these teams based on geography. Um, now, one of the things that well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lead you. What do you think about that? Is that the best way to form an esports team based on where people live? Because that is how it's done in sports. 
you know, you you get drafted by a team and then you have to go to that city. I'm explaining this in detail because I know you're not into sports. Um, Mr. Nice Guy, <laughs> just in point of fact, I am a sports ball expert. You're not. So so you're he's explaining this for everybody else's benefit. I just want the record to show that. Okay, fair enough. But but in all seriousness, this is unique because traditionally esports teams are groups of friends who find each other. You know, there's maybe some chemistry there. You know, they live in a house together or they live close to each other so that they can uh, they can practice, right? Now we're doing it, it seems, based on geography. Like maybe they have tryouts. They pick the 10 best players in Philly or Seattle or Chicago uh, or Salt Lake. What do you think about this change? Um, honestly, I'm fairly ambivalent. Um, there are advantages to having, you know, teams formed of people who are already in the same geographical area. Uh, but then again, you know, it's only a matter of time before these guys are doing the exact same things that uh, that sports teams are doing, where they're recruiting people from far and away to come join their team, which means moving and then living wherever. Um, but I think it is potentially problematic to do that sort of a thing if it flies in the face of the current convention, which is a team made up of a group of people who have good chemistry together. Because that's going to be more beneficial, I think, in my mind, than just making it about geography. Although with sufficient resources, you know, you just go ahead and get everybody together who's who does work well together, in theory. But... I don't know. I'm fairly ambivalent. Um, once, uh, once pro sports, you know, once pro uh, pro gaming starts looking more and more like pro sports, um, I just have to rely back on the fact that I am an expert in the theory of uh, of sports ball, but uh, but not really a you know excited participant in sports ball and sports ball related activities. Fair enough, and I'm you know I, just to be clear, I'm not a I'm not against them having teams that are named after a certain city. I'm against them saying if you live in a certain area, you got to be teamed up with people who lived in that area, because that's never how it's been done. None of the big YouTubers or Twitch, you know, teams or or other competitive teams, you know, like Optic or any of these other teams were were formed based on where people live. Now, maybe many of the people lived in a certain area because they knew each other, but if someone else auditioned, or not auditioned, if someone else, uh, yeah, tried out for the team and got on, they could join no matter where they lived. And so I like the idea of that. I like the idea also of these players forming their own teams. I think that's part of the appeal of esports to me is, wow, you know, these guys set their own play schedule. You know, they practice 12 hours a day. Um, or however many hours it is, and uh, and they come up with their own strategies, and they live in a house, and and all that good stuff, and and so I don't know if I like the idea of of there being someone or some entity over them who's saying now there's rules about where you can live and all that. So that's my my opinion. Let us know in the chat what you think. That was our topic of the week, Mac. Back over to you, man. Okay. Well, now we traditionally talk about. Uh, we talk about crowdfunding in video games. This segment we term kick or kickstart. I usually present a kickstarter project, a crowdfunding project. We talk about it, some of the virtues, some of the vices, and then at the end we offer our determination whether we think this should be kicked out of here because it is not worth our time or our money, or we think it is something legitimate. It is something that could do. And then we say kickstart it and we of course ask for your interaction for those of you who are here with us live to give your vote in the chat as well now unfortunately today we're going to be doing something just a little bit different because i'm going to level with you mr nice guy there is not a lot exciting going on on the crowdfunding sites for new games. What? Um, nothing, at least, that's really excited me um, that I haven't really already covered. So today, I wanted to instead do a little bit of a retrospective and talk about a few of the uh, Kickstarters that we discussed in uh, episodes past 
and just give a sort of where are they now for a couple of minutes. Cool. And so I want to start with, uh, with uh, you may remember Raji, R-A-J-I, and I know I said it wrong. It was uh, set in ancient India, very much a sort of uh, 3D, uh, 3D perspective um, with a lot of very cool uh, ancient Indian, you know, that is, you know, India Indian uh, monsters and themes and, uh, and demons involved. And some of them are legitimately terrifying. Uh, it did have a playable demo. Uh, which, of course, was one of the reasons why it certainly made my list of things to kickstart um, and had a good 3D look to it programmed in Unity. Uh, just to sort of recap that one, it is currently, it has six days left to go. They set themselves a goal of $161,000 in order to get this game made. They're only at 60000 currently, and it doesn't look like it's going to make Dang. it the rest of the way. But it is really fantastic looking, and if that appeals to any of you, I encourage you to hop on Kickstarter, throw your support behind it. Uh, maybe we can help get them the rest of the way there. But, uh, but it is a fantastic looking game. Tr download that demo. Give it a shot if you're at all interested. There's still time to get in on that. <clears throat> um, a few others um, we happened to have uh, we happened a few weeks ago to talk about this thing called Initiative Red Dawn and it was basically a coloniz colonization simulator for colonizing Mars um, that unfortunately was not successful they made it most of the way there at uh, 42,000 of 55,000 um, okay. which uh, they took it very much in stride when it was unsuccessful and uh, said that they were going to, you know, tighten up their approach, get some more work done, and be back again when they, uh, uh, you know, be back again later because getting that close to being funded clearly showed that people wanted yeah. what they were offering. Um, <clears throat> we had uh, uh, one that I talked about a few weeks back called The Puppet of Tursa, which was a point-and-click adventure game that I was really excited about that did not succeed. It didn't even make it close. Of their $35,000 they were hoping, they, they didn't even break 2000 and it's very unfortunate because I felt like uh, I felt like they had a lot of good solid talent, but uh, but hopefully they have that same kind of attitude like those guys from the uh, from the Mars simulator and can come back and bring us something because it you know I wouldn't have brought it up if I didn't feel like it had some potential. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Uh, but on the plus side, we've got a couple of good news uh, ones. Um, a little while back, I talked about Full Quiet. It was a game uh, being made for the NES, so that when it released, you could buy it either as a uh, you could buy it either as a um, you know as as a cartridge to plug into your Nintendo Entertainment System, or you could get the ROM. Um, they themselves, the makers of this particular thing, they had made several NES games, uh, any new NES games in the past. Um, and had done a pretty good job about of it. This one was particularly going to be this sort of deep in the forest horror game, um, and uh, and they had some really good work on Parallax. But neither here nor there. They did successfully uh, fund their um, their project, and are still looking toward that release in uh, yep uh, the release in September of 2018. And we wish them all the best. And then last but most certainly not least, um, uh, Sharon's Crypt. It was that uh, it was that dungeon crawler video game that really drew on uh, on Zelda, but most importantly, in a very strange turn, they try they they went the whole Game Boy Color sort of aesthetic to things. Um, and they were successfully uh, successfully funded. Oh yes, this is the one that, of course, uh, that of course you are a disembodied spirit, and uh, as you go through the dungeon, when you need to interact with things physically, you can uh, take over creatures inside of the dungeon to progress. Just uh, just to be clear, but uh, but that one successfully funded. 
Um, again, the demo's still there if you are interested in playing it, but they are, uh, uh, but they're trying to uh, get that out on Nintendo Switch as well. But it looks like they are still on track for their um, October 2018. Uh, oh, sorry, their February uh, 2018 release. So, so yeah. Um, sometimes, Mr. Nice Guy, when we uh, we have some winners and we have some losers on the Kicker Kickstart segment, but uh, but there are some of those games from the past that we've talked about and where they stand now. And hopefully, some people can get their stuff together and get some interesting games up there on Kickstarter I for agree. us to talk about. That's I right. Agree. It's not my fault. It's their fault. Dude, no one's blaming you, man. And honestly, you know I'm not a huge fan of Kickstarter, but you've really come with the fire and kind of brought me around uh, in showing like some some legitimately good Kickstarter projects. It's just impossible to predict that even if they get funded, that they will be finished. And that's my thing. <laughs> and serious question, how is Chasm coming along? When is the release date for that game? Um, I am smiling sheepishly for those of you listening to this after the fact. Um, well, it looks like it is coming along. Um, there was a backer update not that long ago. Things were looking good. Um, I wasn't asking to troll. I really yet, don't though. know. I really didn't know. That's why I was asking. Yeah, no, it's it's not out yet, unfortunately. I I was I was really hoping I'd have it before before 2018. But uh, at this point, I'm really hoping for summer of 2018 for its release, so that I can fully dedicate a large chunk of time to it. That's cool. I was the reason I ask is because I was playing some stuff on the Raspberry Pi this weekend, the mm -hmm. Retro Pi, mm -hmm. and uh, and I was one. I was thinking, I wonder if Chasm has a demo that would work on here because there are some PC ports that are run on mm -hmm. the Pi, and I'll talk about that when we get into our what we've been playing segment. Um, okay. Because I've been playing some PC ports on the Raspberry Pi. So anyway. Yeah, I don't think you would be able to, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think you'd be able to. But Mr. Nice Guy, don't forget. That I still have, uh, when I backed it, I have a, an extra copy, and that's going to you. Dude, you're the man! And I can get that on, on like, Switch or something? PS4. PS4. Perfect, I have a PS4 as well, so that's perfect. Yes, you do. That's fantastic. <laughs> anyway, uh, guys, it's time for our next segment, which is a segment I like to call The Dummy of the Week. 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 A segment where we talk about someone who has done something stupid, idiotic, or downright dumb. And then we talk about and make fun of them. Uh, this week's story, you guys, uh, please don't tell me I closed it. Nope, here it is right here. This week's story comes from WAFB.com, and it's about someone who did something real stupid, and we're about to read about it. This is in Denham Springs, Louisiana. It says, Denham Springs police say they arrested a man who allegedly attempted to rob a woman at gunpoint during a secondhand sale that was set up on social media. Michael Mitchell allegedly met a woman at the Chase Bank on Range Avenue on Monday to buy a video game console. When the victim handed Mitchell the video game console, Mitchell allegedly pulled out a handgun and put it to the victim's side. Now here's where I get confused. She handed him the console, so he put a gun on her? So he was the one buying the console, she handed it to him. All he had to do at that point was run. He didn't need to pull out a gun. Uh, he had the console in his hand. If he didn't want to pay for it, all he had to do was was run away. Um, it goes on to say... Oh, and here's, here's the other thing about this. Um, it says he met her at a Chase Bank. If I was going to rob someone, the last place I would set up as a meeting spot would be outside a bank. Where there's well, maybe the bank was maybe it was after hours. Maybe the bank is closed. Well, let's read on and see. <laughs> it, it says the victim resisted and screamed, which alerted a Denham Springs police officer who was inside the bank for unrelated reasons. Mitchell fled southbound on South Range Avenue in a 2015 Ford Focus at a quote high rate of speed. Police were unable to apprehend him at the time. Now, here's, here's where I have to get on the police for this. A Ford Focus is the farthest thing possible from an escape vehicle. 
They don't really go at a high rate of speed, so I feel like this article is inaccurate in saying that he was traveling at a high rate of speed. Uh, I don't know how they weren't able to catch him. This is crazy. It goes on to say witnesses were able to give authorities Mitchell's license number, license plate number, cell phone number. Wait a minute. Okay, wait a minute. How were they able to give his cell phone number? I guess maybe she he gave it to the person who was... Go ahead, Mac. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say uh, maybe she gave he gave it to her when he set up the, you know, set up the purchase. Which begs the question... Why? <laughs> he's he's doing everything you shouldn't do when you're robbing someone. Don't give them your real phone number. Don't meet them outside a bank where there's cameras and potentially police and alarm systems. Don't use a Ford Focus as a getaway vehicle. Don't give them your real name. Uh, and uh, And make sure that you're not recorded on surveillance, which he was because it says... Uh, Mitchell went to the Chase Bank earlier before the robbery. He went there before the robbery and was recorded on a surveillance video, which leads me to believe that he said, all right, this lady's going to come with this game system, but I need to actually have some money just in case the gun thing doesn't work. So I'm going to go to my Chase Bank and get some money out and be on camera so that if It just doesn't make sense to me. I think you guys get where I'm going with this. Uh, It goes on to say, Later that evening, Denham Springs police detectives and Louisiana State Police arrested Mitchell at the Olive Garden on Segan Lane in Baton Rouge, where he worked. He was charged with one count of attempted robbery and is currently being held in the Livingston Parish Detention Center on a $100,000 bond. That, That seems like a lot. For stealing the game console. Denim Springs police urge residents to use caution when selling items online. Police have created a safe transaction zone police headquarters where you can do that kind of thing. Mac, that's our dummy of the week. Do exactly what the opposite of what this guy did uh, if you're if you're trying to do this kind of thing. And I'll turn it back to you, man. Alright. Well, now for the last little segment of this show proper. It's a little segment we like to call Legalese. Where we talk about sometimes old lawsuits or uh, or patent cases or things that have led us to where we are now and how we consume and enjoy our favorite pastime, video games. Video games. Um, this one uh, is one that we've talked about a few times in the past, um, and I I think it's important for us to go uh, to talk about this if for nothing else than a sense of closure. Yes. And it surrounds uh, it surrounds the Pokemon Go ordinance that Milwaukee uh, made. So um, for those of you who uh, don't recall, Milwaukee County um, created an ordinance that people who played, uh, that, that augmented reality games, that the creators of augmented reality games needed permits in order to operate in their parks. Um, so... It, there was a specific park, Lake Park, in Milwaukee County, where uh, where it got pretty trashed, uh, you know, after a big, you know, Pokemon Go event. And so they asked Niantic, the, uh, the makers of Pokemon Go, to remove any of the Pokestops in the park, and uh, they passed a city, uh, a county ordinance that required anybody to, to who wanted to put um, stuff in their parks in throughout the county to uh, pay permit fees first. So, um, well, that went over about as well as a lead balloon, and <laughs> and, and it, it, it did get it, it did get passed. And it was and uh, the the response, of course, from the uh, from the makers was that they argued uh, Candy Labs first and foremost among them argued that the permit requirement was basically an infringement on uh, on first amendment rights uh, freedom of expression and the and the uh, and a federal court agreed and uh, in what seems to be a, a fantastic you know a, a fantastic win for video game manufacturers this ended in a uh, $83,000 settlement that uh, Milwaukee County uh, paid out to, I believe, uh, if I'm remembering right, um, to Niantic and um, and Candy Labs on account of their uh, uh, on account of their you know on, on account of their lost 
I guess, revenue from sure, sure. Uh, from this restriction. So, uh, yeah, definitely interesting. But now, playing an augmented reality game is an is a extension of that company's First Amendment rights. Woohoo! Um, I like that. I so like that. yeah, and and I mean, in spite of this not being the biggest news ever, and I think we could have all really seen where this was going to wind up going. I think it's very important that uh, uh, that we recognize that the case is closed and we really don't need to be worried about this because oftentimes when a higher court doesn't want to hear something, uh, we remain in limbo for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. But for anybody who needed that extra assurance that you didn't need to get uh, to get certificates of insurance from a uh, from a county before holding an event, well, you guys are in the clear. Or you can go for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see, see what I did there, Mr. Nice I like that. I, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. That's fantastic. So uh, that's what I had for legalese for this week. Legalese. Oh, we just had someone come in who says they missed most of it, but they're at training at work. Just wanted to let us know that we're awesome, Mac. Thank Aww. you. But you Thank guys, you. you know what's fantastic? Even if you missed this, you could still catch us later on iTunes, Two Nerds in a Pod, and hit us up on social media platforms listed here on the Twitch chat. I'm Nice Guy Gaming on Twitter. Mac is Maction on Twitter. Our dual profile is Two Nerds in a Pod on Twitter. Cool. Well, Mac, it's been a great show. It's been episode number 52. We have one more segment before we go. And it's one of my favorites. It's called What We've Been Watching and What We've Been Playing, where we talk about exactly that. Um, The games we've been watching, the media we've been consuming, the YouTube stuff we've been YouTubing, and whatever else we've been seeing on the interwebs or uh, elsewhere. So in in the chat, you guys get to participate and let us know what you have been watching and what you have been playing. Mac, do you want to lead off on this? Absolutely. Now, Mr. Nice Guy... Mrs. The Mac and I have been watching more Madam Secretary. I watched an episode right before this with my wife. Oh, awesome. Such uh, a good Where show. are you? What season? We're on the last season that's on Netflix. We have uh, maybe three more episodes. Okay, okay. Mrs. The Mac and I are in season two currently. Cool. And, uh, and yeah, she really likes it. Good. Um, there are some times where we feel like the, uh, where we feel like it, it wanders a bit for our taste sometimes, but uh, but you know overall we really really like Madam Secretary. Um, it's it's a really good show, at least we think so. And and uh, just the other day, Mrs. The Max said, "Oh, thanks so much for starting this series with with me. How'd you know I'd like it?" And I said, "I didn't know you'd like it. Mister Nice Guy knew you would like it." Yes. So just so you know. You got uh, you got credit where credit was due. Um, unfortunately, that's about all that I've had the time lately to watch. I have been playing a little bit of Mega Man Legacy Collection 2, and in case I didn't mention it last uh, last uh, time around, um, last uh, episode, um, Legacy Collection 2 is not as good as Legacy Collection 1. Legacy Collection 1... Uh, this is Mega Man, yeah, yeah, by the yeah. way. Mega Man Legacy Collection 1 was uh, put together by Digital Eclipse, who have a rabid dedication to accuracy. Whereas Legacy Collection 2 was thrown together by Capcom itself, who were nowhere near as interested in accuracy. So there are there are some issues, but overall it is an enjoyable enough game, um, or collection of games. But I've been playing some of that when I needed to, you know, take a quick 15-minute break or so and uh, practice up on my 7, 8, 9, and 10. What was, so, the, uh, what was the name of that Mega Man game that allowed players to make their own levels that was popular a couple months ago? Uh, Mega Maker. Yeah, is that still or, out or did it get shut down? Or, let me see. I'm surprised that that's not more popular still on Twitch and things like that. Because it was a, I remember watching you stream it and it was thoroughly mm-hmm. entertaining. Oh yeah, Mega Man Maker is still still there, but yeah, it it seems like it hasn't made uh, made much changes. Let me take a look. Um, I was actually I, I was thinking about this, and I was going to ask you about it earlier, but I forgot. Um, at one point, Mega Man was an exclusive to the Nintendo. Like it was only on NES; it was not on any other console. 
Do you think yes, that indeed. it would have changed? Uh, you know, I'm not even going to ask you that. I'll just go ahead and assume that it would have changed Nintendo's um, marketability if that had stayed exclusive. Now, I mean, it's been on PlayStation. It's been all over the place. That's such a major character in gaming. Uh, I, I feel like that that would have made a huge deal in some of Nintendo's past consoles. Yeah, possibly. I mean, uh, to your question about why more people aren't playing Mega Man Maker, I'm not exactly sure. I really enjoyed it. Um, I just feel like I haven't had time. It, you kind of need to dedicate some time because when you play any game where you can have like people submit levels or be like, hey, you know, play this or play this level or, or, or things like that, you tend to go down the rabbit hole. You know, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so when I haven't known that I've had a large chunk of time to get dedicate, I haven't been willing to pop it open because I just know I'm gonna go down that rabbit. It's hole. gonna get mad, get furious. I feel you, man. I feel <laughs> you. Furious with the the difficulty and the troll levels that people put out. Well, cool. So I've I've actually, like I said, I've been getting into these PC ports, and I recently, Max, started replaying one of the best games of all time, one of the best, if not the best indie game of all time. A game by the name of Cave Story. Mm. Um, I would say I would say top three indie games of all time. I don't know if you would agree with that, um, but let's chat after because I'm curious what some of your favorite indies are. Uh, but anyway, I've been playing that. Uh, I also put Minecraft Pi Edition on there. I don't know if you knew this, but there's a, a version of Minecraft for the Raspberry Pi. Um, Raspberry Pis are, are fairly powerful, and there's a, a lot they can do. So I've been playing those, um, playing a little bit more Little Samson on the NES. Um, also, I have been doing Destiny, hit 300 with my character, uh, which is, I know it's late. Other people did that a long time ago. Oh, what else have I been playing? Um, I did mention in the chat to someone that I picked up an Xbox One S on Black Friday. They had a really good deal on them, and I got an Amazon gift card with it. Going to pick up uh, PUBG and uh, and the Halo games, and that's probably going to be all that I play on there because I have the PS4 for the other uh, multiplat stuff. And I'm not going to open my Xbox till Christmas, you guys. It's a Christmas present. Uh, as far as shows and stuff, Mac, have you seen that new Avengers trailer, bro? That new, I have seen what the did new you Avengers think? trailer. What did you think? I'm cautiously optimistic. Maxion, they have not made a bad Avengers movie. It's true. Uh, they have not made a bad Avengers movie. Um, I, I just, I, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for them to deliver the flop. Okay, fair enough. Now, someone in the chat to get off topic again because we have a couple extra minutes. I, I, they say favorite indies might be a good topic for next week. I think that's a great topic. Oh, yes. Mr. Nice Guy, I'm I'm writing that down. Let's do it. Don't let me fingers. forget. We could each come with like our top. I don't know if we want to do 10. We can, though. We could do our top 10, our top 5, whatever you think. Uh, there's so many is the thing. Like I could come up with 10. I'm. I think. I think. In interest of time, we should limit ourselves to top five each. Let's do top five indies. I already know what a couple of mine are, but I'm not going to spoil it. Oh man, it's bringing back memories. Just thinking about some of the awesome indie titles that I've played mm -hmm. over the years. Um, okay, but anyway, that's what I've been playing. What I've been watching, Madam Secretary. Um, now another show just came out, and if you guys like Marvel stuff, I'm recommending the show simply because of my love of the comic books. Not because I've seen the show yet, but The Runaways just started exclusive to Hulu. So you have to watch it on Hulu, which I actually don't have right now. Um, but it's my favorite comic of all time. I really hope that they're doing it justice with the show. Um, it's a fantastic comic. I hope that, that they do well. Mm. They're bringing the comic back, actually. It's gone through many hands of artists and illustrators, or excuse me, of artists and writers. Uh, but they're bringing it back again. So... Uh, I'm going to end it there. That's what I've been watching, what I've been playing. Mac, anything else you want to say to the people before we wrap it up? Thanks for being here. You oh, guys are bad. fantastic. Oh, my bad, my bad, my oh. bad. Do you want to read the stuff in the chat? I yes, forgot. sure. So let's see. Um, we've got some uh, playing Wolfenstein 2. It's uh, difficult. Shocked at how good the story is. Um, Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, Origins and the new South Park game. Um, uh, watched, uh, finished watching netflix's punisher 
Um, I will just mention on the subject of Punisher, um, I'm not finished with it, but the only person I actually care about in that whole show is Micro. They need to stop trying to make me care about anybody else. Micro's the only person, only person to care about. Um, let's see, somebody else who fell back into that World of Warcraft hole. Oh, best of luck, man. Good luck. Best of luck getting back on the wagon after that. Um, and let's see. Ooh, and watching some of the early Jackie Chan films. Police Story and Drunken Master. Those are some good ones. But that's what we've got from our, uh, from our fellows in the chat. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Hit us up on iTunes. If you haven't left a rating already, please do. It helps us so much. Look us up on iTunes, Two Nerds in a Pod. We'll be back next week here on twitch.tv backslash Two Nerds in a Pod. 9 p.m. Uh... <laughs> 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Central. Central. 8 p.m. Mountain. Same bat place. Same bat time. Same bat ride. We'll see you guys next week. Keep it nerdy. Deuces.